Welcome back to the Thrive Subscribe Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Denninger, and I've got a couple of guests in the, uh, the studio today. Uh, we're here with Randy McDonough and Eric Mueller, our 2020-2021 Community Pharmacy resident. Uh, and today we're going to be talking residency. Uh, and Randy himself has uh, quite a few years' experience in the residency program, uh, even before he was with us here at Towncrest. Uh, so, Randy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in the residency program? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, with community pharmacy residency, which has been around for a long time now. But Iowa was one of the early leaders. They were not the first, but they were the first state that had a multi-site community pharmacy residency and the first one accredited for that as well, too. So I've been involved since the very beginning when that was initiated. Um, but as far as my own personal uh, residence, um, I have trained over 30 residents now, and it really started when I was at the College of Pharmacy. And even before I had my own individual practice, um, part of my residency program was to help develop community pharmacies across the state. And I had a resident that would help me with that. And then eventually I became one of the uh, pharmacist staff as a shared position with the College of Pharmacy at Maine at Locust Pharmacy and that's where I really started developing the residency program that's similar to what we have today Mike and so um, I did that from 1998-1999 um, until I came here in 2006 we took about a year to really develop the practice to support a resident so around 2007 I think or 2008 is when we had our first resident and we haven't had a year since that time without a resident so to me the community pharmacy resident becomes an extension of what we do. We teach them um, about community pharmacy practice and how to implement services and really think out of the box and develop a new business model for community pharmacy overall. And in return, they give us um, the ability to start looking at how do we expand things, study some of the um, services we've actually provided, and just really become, again, an, an integrated component, an integrated person of our staff. So you've been involved in the residency program for a long time. How do you see the residency program having changed and progressed over the years? And, and uh, you know, how is it different today than it was back when when you first got involved? I think it's evolved a lot. I mean, originally, I think the residents um, in the early days were actually helping to transform the practice, to actually develop the services and try to implement the services. Now we're seeing residents, they still do that to an extent, but Eric, for example, gets the benefit of all the years of us evolving into a very transformative practice that's providing a lot of different clinical services. Now he gets to come in and he's learning about how you actually implement the services and, and perform the services within the practice. Then he can also think about, well, I, I have some interest in developing something myself too, and he has that opportunity to do that. But the difference now is they got a very robust practice for which they can develop their clinical skills. And the whole purpose of a residency is to really develop that skill set that would normally take someone five years going into the world and work in the work world. Um, and do it within one year, get a five-year experience within one year. So that's very focused and targeted that really develops those skill sets. So we've been you know, talking about our current resident, Eric, so I'm going to introduce him now. Uh, Eric, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, Eric uh, joined us just uh, this month, I guess, the beginning of the month here at the, at the University of Iowa. We came back to Iowa. Uh, and uh, why don't you tell us, Eric, you know, why did you decide to go into a residency program and why did you pick the community pharmacy residency program? And why did you pick us? That's right. So when I started my P4 year, um, I really started to have feelings of wanting to do something more um, than go straight into traditional practice after pharmacy school. 
So I started looking at residency programs at the beginning of my P4 year. Um, my interest in starting a business of my own was a, was a large passion that I had been building towards. Um, I wanted to look at community pharmacy residencies specifically because of my desire to facilitate my practice experience. And I know that um, the cornerstone of any successful business model is exceptional patient care, especially in the healthcare sector. Um, so that led me to look at high-performing pharmacies throughout the nation. Um, Towncrest was one that really stood out to me. Um, the things that Randy and Mike have done over the years have really transformed the practice and, and created a space for community pharmacy to thrive. And that was one of the main um, drawing points that led me to look at this program. Hey, Eric, I have a question following up with that. A, a comment that I hear or a statement that I hear quite a bit, which is music to my ears, because when I first started the residency program and, and created my own at Maine at Locust and then made one here too, um, I always talked about clinical services being performed in community pharmacy. In fact, that's why I left my position at the University of Iowa is to demonstrate this can happen. And so I'm hearing that state or that term now, clinical community pharmacy. What does that mean to you and how has that been made real to you through what you're seeing at Towncrest right now? So clinical pharmacist to me when I first started pharmacy school meant someone in a hospital that was working on one specific floor catering to such as warfarin therapy management. Little did I know that clinical pharmacist in a community setting was a very real thing where you can use the clinical skills you've built up throughout school to directly affect patient outcomes. Um, MTMs and, and certain types of counseling interactions that you can make at the community level with the amount of touch points that pharmacists have there was something that I really wanted to seek more of. Um, and that was kind of a big thing with um, the clinical side is that I did not really realize that you could do as much as you can do in community pharmacy. So tell me, you've been here just about a month now. What does your day look like, and what are some of the things that you're doing now that uh, that you know that are building, uh, you know, helping you build your your future skills? So I think one of the main things I noticed coming here, um, the proprietary software you have with PharmClin, um, the ability to document notes to then send to the providers. So such as a statin indication um, for a patient with diabetes, um, to be able to create a note that is a standardized template that you have already um, created, made that process really really efficient. Um, to be able to print that off and fax that to the physician was um, an experience that I had not, ex not seen at other community pharmacies. Um, so I think that was one example of um, how the clinical pharmacist was kind of bled into um, the community pharmacy. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that though, and you're right, we created this proprietary software because there wasn't anything out there. And uh, so we did this a long time ago, and now you're starting to see a lot of uh, vendors and platforms being developed that are really focused on the clinical side. In fact, some of the pharmacy management systems have incorporated that the clinical aspect. And I'm excited because I think that's going to have more and more community pharmacists have the ability to document. And I tell you, that does have a meaning because when we worked with the payer here in Iowa and they showed us their claims data and how much money we saved them, we put a story together with the amount of documentation we are doing that you're talking about to demonstrate that we made 17,000 interventions in a year's time to manage those patients. That's pretty strong data when you go to a payer, and that's the beauty of doing the documentation in the e-care plans. So you give us a good example, Eric, of, of the documentation and how we standardize notes, and it made some of the interventions easier for you. Overall, I mean, you're going to develop a lot of skill sets. What do you want to gain from this whole year? Um, by the end of the year, what do you want to have? Yeah, so like I alluded to earlier, um, so my real passion lies in 
wanting to create my own healthcare company. Um, and the entrepreneurial side of that, I believe I can learn a lot from you. Um, and the t type of transformation you have done in, in just 14 years here, you can see how um, from the ground up you've, you've created such a clinically integrated pharmacy. Um, so entrepreneur side, that, that is a big piece that I want to learn. Um, but also I really want to develop my clinical patient practice skills um, and learn from a very high performing pharmacy. Um, so I want to get my baseline, I want that to be very high coming out. So I really, I say in short, want to create a very marketable um, value of myself. So you got something very unique here because the foundation of what we do, it really is the, the clinical work. And so developing that clinical skill set is going to be very important. But it's that new business model. And so you talked about this this health company, which I'm not sure even in your mind you know what it's going to look like yet. Um, but you're getting a lot of exposure to what it could be because of the things that we're doing. Is that correct? That's right. Very good. So, Eric, uh, one of the things that the University of Iowa's residency program for community pharmacy uh, does every year is it makes sure that the residents have an exposure to research. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that are, the residents have been doing is putting together a project and, and uh, working through the research and publishing it. Have you, uh, have you come up with a program or a project for your uh, research yet? Yes, so Randy and I were discussing this the last few weeks, um, and the project we are going with is to analyze the cost savings data and the qualitative data from the Plumber Supply Company Direct Contract. Um, they are contracted with PSC, and they service about 25 of their employees. Um, so we really wanted to dive in and look at, over the course of this program, what have the cost savings been and what kind of look at really the numbers side of it. They know the data is there. Randy believes that it is a very positive benefit for both the company and the pharmacy. Um, but we kind of wanted to dive deeper and, and get into the numbers of that and felt like that would really fit the residency project requirements well. So, Mike, to follow with that, so we're going to look at the cost savings to the employer. We're going to look at how it benefited the pharmacy from a financial perspective. And then also we're going to look at the number of interventions and, and drug therapy problems uh, that the pharmacists were able to find and resolve over time. So we're really excited because there's very little in the literature about these direct contracts bypassing a PBM. That's very exciting. Uh, I presume you're also then going to look at uh, the, the uh, medical cost to the uh, to the employer as well in that. And that's one of the things that was most surprising and, and uh, beneficial to uh, one of the major payers in the state here when they looked at the, the type of things and impacts a pharmacy can have. Uh, so, Eric, the other thing that uh, you know I, I often see our residents do is they pick kind of a personal goal uh, for their year spent in their residency. And in the past, we've had some some uh, some of the um, uh, residents want to become certified to become a diabetic shoe fitter, or they want to become uh, you know do so many interventions a month or per year. Have you given any thought to what you want to get out of this, just from a just from a personal goal standpoint? Yeah, so I think if I can personally develop myself to be able to tease out this idea of, of kind of a next big need in which I want to focus a potential company on, um, to be able to take that and have it ready to pitch to either a business partner or an investor, um, I think that would be a really good goal that I would like to have to be able to market that. Outstanding. You're going to take any investors? Yes. <laughs> I think what's interesting, too, um, Eric is really our first resident that has had this entrepreneurial side of his residency program. Not that people were not entrepreneurial, but he's really going for the goal of creating something brand new. And I think that's the beauty of, of coming into a site that has been not only entrepreneurial and innovative. I mean, those are not always the same, right? And so developing some new things and creating a market for it. Because when I left the university, Mike, people doubted. 
that this could actually exist. So you got to have it clear in your mind. You've got to see it more clearly than anybody else can because if you've got the vision, eventually people will buy in on that and you'll be able to sell that to investors. And Mike and I have been able to prove that even with our software program. People didn't know what we were talking about. Once we created it and could show them the data, people started understanding. So Eric, you're getting very close to actually taking your pharmacy boards here and you're going to end up uh, spending some time actually working on our counter. Uh, is there any, has there been anything you've noticed since you've been here at, uh, at, the, at the site here that is you know, maybe different than what you've seen at other pharmacies that you've uh, observed? Yeah, so this kind of goes back to the, the farm clin um, topic earlier. So I think the ability of your pharmacist to make clinical interventions on the fly when they are verifying a script, they, they are looking at these type of uh, clinical problems that are on the list created by PharmClin. Yeah. So I, I guess what you're saying is that, and, and this is something that's very key to the way we practice pharmacy, uh, is that our pharmacists aren't sitting in a cubicle or an office doing their clinical work. They're actually working on the dispensing counter doing that clinical component. And, and Randy, tell us a little bit about how that you know came up and what you see as the benefits of doing it that way. Well, I've had pharmacists ask me if we've figured out how to make uh, patient care to be less transactional as you see in community pharmacy and make it more of an ongoing thing with the patient. And I said, yeah, we have figured that out. Part of that, Mike, is the med medication synchronization and the point-based model. So there is that component where you will have a sit-down. But what we figured out is that when you can have a patient in front of you in the workflow, in the dispensing, there's a lot of things you can do right then and there too. But it requires the pharmacist to be able to start asking questions. So I told the pharmacist earlier today is we let the pharmacy management system dictate too much. They wait for a drug interaction or something like that to tell them what to do. I said, we've trained our pharmacists, so they're looking at the drug therapy, they're looking at the patient-specific factors, and they're asking very pointed questions. They're making sure the patient's been monitored appropriately depending upon the drug therapy. If they have a patient on a statin, you mentioned the statin therapy. Well, diabetes, we know they're a high-risk patient, so they should be on a higher statin dose. What about the patient who doesn't have diabetes? Are we doing a 10-year risk assessment? We're doing those targeted interventions on the run. It's not They don't have to step out and have the pharmacist do it. We do fall risk assessments on the run. So learning, teaching the pharmacist how to do um, those very targeted interventions, but also asking the right questions of the patient so they can assess them right then and there. Then if they do find a patient who has a more in-depth issue, we call that our Slack resources, which are our pharmacists, such as our residents or our clinical pharmacists that are already sitting down and doing some um, regular CMRs or other type of medication reviews for patients, because we got a lot of payer programs right now too. And then they can have that pharmacist do a more in-depth so we can keep that flow going within on the counter. So Eric's gonna see both aspects. They're gonna see the point-based model where you might be sitting down and having a more in-depth talk, but he's also gonna learn, how do I do this on the run? And that's a skill set that's hard. It is. It's very, it's very much a challenge and something you need to learn uh, and grow into. And so I'm looking forward to watching Eric after he gets his license and is able to actually step up there and start to see that. And it's not just a training, though, of the pharmacist that's important. There's a little bit of training of the patient as well. I still remember early on when we started doing this, I had patients going, why are you asking me about my citalopram? I'm picking up my omeprazole here. And it's like, well, the point is I'm looking at the whole picture here, and this is the concern that I have with you today. Uh, 
uh, and it did take some time for our patients to get adapted to that, but they have also become accustomed to, uh, to that type of care now since that uh, transition several years ago. Absolutely. I mean, we focus, we have targeted some of our um, interactions and interventions based upon the drug therapy, the therapeutic class. And a good example of that would be the PPIs, right? With the PPIs, we said, you know what, we better identify if patients really need to be on it long term because there are some risks associated with long term therapy. And we did find quite a few patients that we were able to either taper off completely or switch them to a ranitidine or an H2RA. And we've identified those patients that we didn't know in the past that actually had a very compelling indication where they should be on a PPI. We have that data now. And I, now it's it's very easy for us to work with those patients and know what we need to be monitoring. And that's just one example. We've done that with multiple therapeutic um, classes as well. And that's one of the exciting things about, you know, just the whole residency in, in general is we're able to take, you know, every resident has kind of come up with a little idea that they're interested in. And we've incorporated that into our practice. And so, you know, we started doing, uh, you know, PHQ-9s on our depression patients. Our fall risks came out of another residency program. So the residency has really been a key for us as in really growing some of our programs as well. So it is a very symbiotic relationship. Well, I can tell you, Mike, that um, throughout, I've said I've trained over 30 residents, and whether it be here at Towncrest or at my uh, previous uh, place in, at Mina Locust Pharmacy. Our pharmacy improved with each resident because something new was provided to us. They gave us new ideas. They said, if you looked at it this way, even our um, our, our uh, software program, FarmClan, evolved because of some of the comments some of our residents made over the years. So we listen to our residents. You're right, it's a very symbiotic relationship. Um, they give to us, we give to them, and at the end, the whole profession benefits. That's absolutely true. I will tell you, you know, Eric here has been involved now for just about a month, and we've got 11 more with him. And it's it's always sad to see the resident go at the end of the year because by the time we've got them sculpted and groomed into that really cutting edge clinical pharmacist, they're taking off to, to taking flight to go somewhere else and and uh, start their own practice or you know start their own business. And maybe in Eric's case, uh, but it's always just a pleasure to to see that at the end of the year. But that's the whole purpose of this is we're creating change agents. We realize that we have to lose the resident if we're going to grow the profession. And if we're going to really talk about transforming community pharmacy practice, the residency programs becomes one of the key components to do that. So we realize that the, our purpose is to generate a change agent who can go out and now create their own practice. So yep. we're excited about Eric being very entrepreneurial and uh, taking the concept and maybe expanding upon what we've done even yep. better. So if our listeners are out there going, you know, that actually sounds like something I'd like to do. How can uh, a pharmacy or a pharmacy owner uh, get involved in a residency program? Uh, what do they have to do? Yeah, I would say that to get involved with a residency program, it'd have to be um, something that is associated with a college of pharmacy. And they, a lot of colleges of pharmacy have residency, community pharmacy residency programs, and a lot of them are looking to expand because we know there's not enough residency programs out there. So if you are interested and you have a college of pharmacy that's within a, a proximity, it doesn't have to be right next door uh, because there's some distance that we have you know, with, with some of our sites. Um, they just have a great uh, place for the uh, people to learn. And so I would say if you have an interest, contact your college of pharmacy, talk to their uh, experiential director, or they may have a residency director there and say that you're interested. Outstanding. Well, thank you very much, uh, Eric, for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm looking forward to the next uh, uh, probably 11 months or so as we finish this up. 
And Randy, it's again having a pleasure having you in the uh, in the studio with me today. So thank you both, gentlemen. Yep, that's thank the positives you. of COVID-19 is that it's keeping me uh, more grounded here in Iowa. <laughs> the Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.